You're a bum, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk, lying there almost dead on a drip in that bed. You scumbag, you maggot, you cheap lousy faggot. Happy Christmas, your ass. I pray God it's our last. It's December the 25th, 2006. And in a well-heeled part of Greater Manchester, I'm sat on a sofa making small talk in a traditional Christmas setting. There's a tree, which is beautifully decorated with gold tinsel and baubles. Underneath it, a stack of presents. The mantelpiece is chock full of cards. There's a large Georgian bay window, and the air is filled with hubbub, good cheer and chatter. And there's the smell of homemade mince pies. The noise is punctuated by children squealing and gasping as they rip open their presents. Everybody seems to be having a great time. Everybody apart from me. I was feeling uncomfortable. I really didn't want to be there. As a Muslim, I didn't see what Christmas had to do with me. The people I was surrounded by, it was their tradition. It was their festival. It wasn't mine. And it's something I didn't want to be part of. I felt that it somehow diluted my own faith. It compromised my own faith. Yes, I had grown up with Christmas. I had been in the nativity plays at school. I'd even put up the tree in my own home. But I resented these things. I was too young to know better. But as I grew older, I formed my own identity. I made my own choices and I chose not to partake in the religious festivals of other people. But I was faced with this annual dilemma. And I was faced with it because my wife used to be Christian. Two of those kids happily opening those presents were our own. And the house we were in was her father's. Episode 4 The Jesus Complex We were pretty petty from the beginning. We used to argue a lot over the smallest things. And really when you look back you think, what were you doing? Christmas was definitely one of those things that used to crop up time and time again and we used to use as a means of scoring points. But Christmas was deep. It was deep because it meant a lot to my wife and it meant a lot for me to reject it. You see, this was all bound up in identity for me. Having discovered my faith, or what I termed my faith, it was important for me to understand and reconcile my past. And that meant confronting some of the things that I had done. Now, for most people, 
having been in a nativity play or having put up a tree, it's no big deal. But for me it was. Because when you are of an immigrant background, you are confronted with who you are. Not through choice. You don't enter into the world with a complex. You pick that up. You pick that up from society. Society teaches you that you need to look inwards. That you need to ask yourself, what are you? Who are you? Where are you from? And crucially, what aren't you? So when I did fully embrace my Muslim identity, I also had to reject those things that I'd done in the past which would compromise that. I was told that that was a requirement to ask for forgiveness, to ask for mercy, to make sure that I had cleaned the slate. And so that's what I did. And I didn't want anything more to do with it. And I created a world where there were people like me and there were others, us and them. So when I married, I was under the illusion that I was enlightened, that I had grown up here, therefore I understood what it was meant to be like to be from here. And there's a difference. When you're born to immigrant parents, you look east and you look west and you find your place somewhere in the middle. But when you are from here for a multiple generations, then you don't have that question in mind. And so the two people are not the same, although I thought that I was, that I could understand my wife's background, that I was broad, that I had breadth to my character. But the reality is I didn't. And this was laid bare in marriage, because in marriage, if you're committed, there really isn't an opportunity to run away. Not easily, anyway. And so you are faced with who you are. And so very early on in the marriage, I was faced with being somebody who couldn't compromise on certain things. And that wasn't a good early sign. It led to a great deal of upset, misunderstanding, miscommunication, all the usual things that break down a marriage. But this was pretty much within the first few weeks. And so at Christmas time, we would have the usual annual angst. At first, it was without children. And so we'd discuss whether or not we should go. Why should we go to her families? It was nothing to do with us anymore. She had become Muslim. She had accepted a different way. So why should we go back to that? Why should we compromise? Because to compromise would mean to give something away of ourselves. And when you do that, it leads to existential angst, the worst kind. 
And so let's just keep away from that. There's no need. But I fail to understand the emotional pull of blood that she wanted to be with her family, the people who had loved her, the people who had brought her up, the people who accepted her even after she changed her faith, which couldn't have been easy. I didn't recognize any of that at the time. I was dead to it. It was simply looking at it from our perspective. We are Muslims. We don't partake in other religions. So therefore, we stay away. And that's what God would be pleased with. And it proved to cause us major issues. Because year after year, we would have the same conversation. And the same arguments. And year after year, the same thing would happen. Which is that we would go initially, I would go reluctantly. And then I would stop going and she would go by herself. But the real crux of the issue, the real, the boiling point, if you like, was when we had children. Not in the early stages of having children, because kids, when they're very small, they don't really understand. They don't understand the differences between mother and the father. They may be able to pick up on those differences emotionally, but they don't understand it intellectually. It was really by 2006 when the kids were four years old and two years old. So I'm really thinking about the four-year-old here. And I felt very strongly about the kids not getting involved and that she should just go because that is what we had done in the past. Why involve the kids? It's got nothing to do with the kids. It's got nothing to do with me. You go and do your Christmas thing. And, you know, the less I hear about it, the better. But she wanted to include the kids. And this was this was hugely difficult for me. Hugely difficult. And it's the first point at which I thought to myself, you know what, it's not enough to be of the same faith. You have to be on the same page. You have to share the same vision. I mean, I articulate that now, but at the time... I'm sure I thought something along those lines. I thought, I don't want this and you want this. But we married because we thought we were thinking along the same lines about how life would transpire. I mean, look, fair enough, we didn't think a lot before getting married, but we did think we were on the same page, but we clearly weren't. And those of you listening who just don't get this conversation, they don't get this angst, it's an existential issues because we were self-identifying, practicing Orthodox Muslims. That comes with a way of being, a way of thinking and a way of living that we had been taught in any case. And it was culture mixed in with faith, mixed in with identity. And I wanted to let go of the past wholesale. I wanted to focus on what was important for us according to what we had learned. And she wasn't prepared to do that. And in hindsight, why should she have to do that? So I compromised again. I gave away a little part of myself again. And I allowed the kids to go with her. And it was difficult for me and I would resent it. And resentment is clearly not a good thing for a relationship. But this resentment would build 
we were very poor at communicating. We would talk a lot, but we wouldn't communicate very well. And the two are very, very different things. And so the children would slowly but surely become part of the Christmas tradition of visiting their mother's side of the family. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't about tradition or culture. It wasn't about trying to be something else, trying, you know, I'm of an Indian extraction. She is of a white English extraction. It wasn't about trying to be Arab as a couple, although although a lot of what we learned lent towards that, including the clothes. For me, it was a case of, look, let's celebrate. Let's make sure the children understand who they are. Because, look, I've been through that process. I wanted to understand who I was, so therefore I didn't want my children to have that difficulty. So let's teach them who they are. Let's celebrate my side of the family, make sure they understand that, and let's celebrate your side of the family from a cultural perspective. But when it comes to faith, there is no compromise. But that was happening. And it was killing me. And it was killing our relationship. Because I couldn't let it go. Whenever issues would arise between us, this is something that I'd mention. And that would really hurt. It would hurt her because she didn't understand really why she needed to give all of this up. To overcome difficulties like this, I believe you need one of two things, if not both. You need good role models that you have experienced in your life to overcome these problems or you need good mentors people who you can learn from ideally both unfortunately we had neither we had neither we were in uncharted territory we were a mixed race couple one of whom had newly come to the faith one of whom was struggling for his identity neither of whom had thought through the process of being married or what it meant to be married neither of whom had really planned what would happen when we had children and how this disconnect would impact upon bringing up kids. It was looking like we were facing real problems and we knew that. We knew that. And so we had to make a decision. We would either live like this until we completely fractured or we had to make changes. And as I was the man, I felt that it was up to me to take a lead on that. That it was up to me to lead my family in this regard. And so I decided to do something that I hadn't previously done. And that is to understand my faith outside of the prism of identity. How to do that was the question. Because... Understanding your faith is not just about reading text. That's what I'd been doing up until that point. I thought I can go directly to the Quran. I can read the English. I can go directly to the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And I can understand my faith. And the reality was is that was a disaster. Because these are translations and they lack context and many people throughout the course of history have used that way of teaching people incorrect things about Islam. But that's what I had been taught. 
Don't worry about people who had gone away to learn for 20, 30, 40 years. Forget those people. Just go directly to the texts. Why would you need an intermediary? But this was shallow. And I knew it was shallow because I wasn't getting anywhere. Over the years, I wasn't becoming the person that I hoped to become. Because my intention in relation to learning my faith was to be a better person, to draw myself closer to God, to Allah. That's what I wanted to do. But the way I had been taught to do that was not achieving that, so I had to find another way. There are times in life when you are faced with two choices. And you have to be honest with yourself. You continue to go down a path which isn't working. It's time to go in a different direction. Even if that path made sense to you and continues to make sense to you, you need to go in a different direction. And so that is what I, that is what I did. I challenged my own notions. I challenged my own ideas. I challenged my own beliefs. And so it is through that process that I was able to reconcile my relationship with Christmas. You see, Jesus has a place in Islam. A very high place in Islam. All I knew up until that point I decided to learn more was that he was one of the great prophets of God. That the Christians had got it wrong. That they had made up lies about his crucifixion and about his resurrection. But that was pretty much it. That Jesus or Isa, as he is called in, in Arabic, was one of God's greatest prophets. And he was the precursor to Muhammad, peace be upon him, and of the same bloodline. But digging deeper, it was clear that Jesus was a very special prophet indeed. And that the shared heritage between the Muslim world and the Christian world was rich and it was deep and it was long-standing. During the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, in his earliest days of prophethood, his community was persecuted. And so in order to escape that persecution from the tribes in, in Mecca, he allowed them to escape. He instructed them to escape and to go to Abyssinia, where there was a righteous and forgiving Christian king, the Negus. When they arrived, they asked these early Muslims about where they have come from and what they have been subjugated to and what it is they believe. And these early Muslims, the leader of them, recited a part of the Quran which related to the virgin birth. And whilst that story was being recited, the king and his entourage and his bishops, they cried. 
they cried and they cried and they cried so much so that their robes and their scrolls were soaked. They recognized the truth of this story, the truth of these verses, and they wholeheartedly provided asylum to these early Muslims and protected them from those tribes in Mecca. Even after the tribes sent people after them and those people addressed the king saying that they are liars, even then he said these people will stay under my protection. So it could be argued that it is because of the mercy and the protection of a Christian king that Islam was able to thrive. And this is just one story. The truth is, is that both Christians and Muslims believe in Jesus. Yes, there are differences in those beliefs, but they both revere him. They both agree on his capacity to create miracles, to bring life to the dead, to cure the leper, to cure the blind. We both believe in the virgin birth. And historically, historically, there has been great cooperation and respect between the two faiths. So why is it that I hadn't been told any of this? Why is it that I had simply been told what was superficial? What was perhaps bias? I simply saw Jesus as the as the head of a false religion. I didn't really understand his role within within Islam itself and his relationship, his bloodline to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So by reassessing my relationship with Jesus, I was able to understand God a little bit better and the relationship between the two faiths. And to see Christmas for what it is, a time for family, a time for giving, a time for sharing, a time for charity, a time for goodwill to all people. Those are values I can get on board with. Those are values that I can support at any time of year and at Christmas time. So as the years went on, I started to get involved. I started to visit during Christmas time. And whilst early on it was still difficult because of learned behaviour, it became easier over time. I was minded not to lose myself in the process, but over time, I suppose as you get older, you get a little bit wiser, you understand yourself a little bit better. I was able to let go of the things I needed to let go of and just enjoy the shared values that we have during Christmas time. And so as I sat in that house the year later with the same people, with the same sounds, I felt comfortable. 
I did want to be there. And as it came time to leave, we made our excuses and the kids collected their presents and they hugged their grandparents and we made our way out the door and I shook my father-in-law's hand and I started to walk away and after about five steps I stopped and I turned around and I said Merry Christmas John Merry Christmas Thanks for listening to episode 4 of Divorce Muslim Dad. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, they're currently available on your podcast player of choice. Now moving forwards, we are looking to answer your questions and address issues that are important to you. So if you would like to get in touch with your questions, please email us at divorcedmuslimdad at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M. Thanks for taking the time to listen. See you in a couple of weeks.